We're going to talk about that on, on Thursday at the Christmas Eve service, but we're going to look at uh, Luke 2, 22. And I've been on a, a journey, this just journey of just kind of looking at, I'm intrigued by the Holy Spirit, intrigued by the, how the Holy Spirit works. And I don't know, a couple of months ago, we were reading through, my wife and I were reading through Luke and came to Luke 2, 22 and was reading through it and it's like, gosh, I... I, I don't know. I, we read this all the time. Every single year we read Luke 2, but we, don't, we always stop at 22, <laughs> and we don't continue to read. And it, it is talking about a couple characters in here that I haven't really often thought about or, or even processed. And so we're going to be looking today at, at Luke uh, 2.22 through 40. And in Luke 2.26, I'm just going to say, it says this, it says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he's talking about Simeon there. And he's just talking about this idea that something's revealed. And when something's revealed, it's you know, previously unknown. If you look up the word uh, reveal in the, in, in the dictionary. But make something that was unknown known. It's kind of a divine thing. And so I want to take a look at that today. And so if you'd pray with me and we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you that uh, as we look at your word, you, you, you come through in so many unorthodox ways, ways that does, don't always make sense. You do things that are, that are like, wow, okay, that's an interesting way of doing it. And as we look at it from our human mind, it does, it's like, okay, the perspective-wise, it doesn't make sense, but at the end of the day, you're continually communicating with us, continually wanting us to know your plan. And you've had a plan from the very beginning, and you continually unravel it to us and reveal it to us and continually trying to lead us. And so, Father, as we celebrate in this time of the year, in this Christmas season, focusing in on, your, uh, on you, Jesus, that, that we might be enlightened, that we might have our eyes open to you, and how you, not just how you sent your son and how you worked in biblical times, but how you are continually working today. And how you continually are uh, laying out your plan before us. So we thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible, if you want to open it up, we're going to be at Luke 2. I'm going to read this to us and then we'll go back and look at it. Luke 2, 22 says this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And verse 35 says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anne, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years and having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then a widow, then as a widow, until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And verse 40 says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And so reading through this, when I was reading through this, it's like I was, I was just kind of drawn into that, this Simeon guy, into Anna the prophetess. And it's like, where did these guys come from? I don't know how many times I've read the Christmas story and read through Luke, and I haven't really focused in on these two. And then reading about them, I was like, the Holy Spirit was upon them. And I was thinking, I would go with this kind of processing, you know, how does the Holy Spirit work? When does he work? Who does he use? And, and you think about the Holy Spirit. And I know when Jesus, you know, and when he's preparing to leave the earth, he tells his disciples that, you know, the, you'll have the Holy Spirit, the parac- you have this helper, you have this paraclete. And you think about it, but it's like oftentimes in the church, we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit. We heard a whole lot of sermons on Holy Spirit, so not t- a ton of them. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit work? When is he at work? And, you know, then, you know, who does he use? And as we're looking at this text, I, I want to go through it just kind of step by step here. You're starting off back in verse 22. It talks about Mary and Joseph uh, coming to the temple in Jerusalem. And they were coming to the temple in Jerusalem, and it goes through a bunch of reasons why they were coming to the, but there was basically cer- the ceremonies that, that had to happen. And these guys, you know, the, the thing I love about Judaism, just some of the ritualistic things that they, they did. And as I read through this, I, I understand why we probably don't focus in on these because they don't really apply to us so much today. But what I like to do when I'm looking at Scripture is look at the heart of the people that are being talked about. And you think about Mary and Joseph. And Mary and Joseph, you know, they're now, you know, they were told they were going to have a baby. And then now they've had their baby. And now they're like going through the motions of what they're supposed to be doing. And because Jesus was a Jew, they were going through the ritualistic things that Jews go through. And so they brought Jesus to the temple. And one of the things when you go, there's three things that they did. I mean, the three things that they went to the temple for. And the first one, kind of a common one, was a purification ceremony involving uh, the wife. You know, there was, they, she waited seven days, and then there was 33 days. So they had to wait 40 days after the birth, and then they would go. And then they would make a sacrifice. A sacrifice, um, and they would bring whatever. And in the text that we read this morning, they, would bring, they brought two turtle doves and two young pigeons, which 
We don't know about this stuff because we don't do these things. But as you study it, as I read through this stuff, it's like one of the things that this indicated that what they brought was it meant they were a little bit poor because they didn't bring what the, the people that were middle class or upper class brought. They brought pigeons and turtle doves. And so they brought these to, to uh, sacrifice. Another one of the ceremonies was the presentation of the firstborn of the Lord. And then the th- in these, if you want to study more about these, you can go to Exodus. I'll tell you, Exodus 13. The first uh, ceremony is Leviticus 12, 2 through 4, if you want to do some study on that. Uh, I see you guys all writing real feverishly. <laughs> You're like, come on, Mike, move on. The third ceremony was the dedication of the firstborn of the Lord's service. And so these three things that, that they were doing, Mary and Joseph, bringing Jesus to the temple. And this is where Simeon comes in. Now, Simeon is a guy that we don't know exactly. It doesn't say he's a priest. It doesn't say much about his, occupa- his vocation. But it does talk about his, who he is that he had his spiritual condition. And it says in this text that he was, he was righteous and devout. In verse 25, it says, Now the, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now when you read through that, you're like, okay, what is the consolation of Israel? Um, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a Jew. Do I care about these things? And it's like, well, they were waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for a Savior. They're waiting for a Savior to come. And so here Simeon is, and as you read through this text, you realize Simeon just kind of wants to die. He's of that age where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be done. But the Holy Spirit appeared to him and said, you know, you won't die until you see the consolation of Israel. You won't die until you see the Savior. And so I'm always uh, intrigued because it says the Holy Spirit spoke to him, revealed to him. Now, I don't know. Was it a voice? Was it a burning bush like Moses? What was, how did that happen? I don't know if that intrigues you, but it intrigues me. Because I think a lot of times we are led by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And we're just like, ah, that must have been, a, that's, that's a bad idea. Because if Simeon is like doing what he wants to do, he's like, I just want to go away and die. I don't want to wait around. It's so a verse 26 says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And then verse 27, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child... Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. And so Jesus is doing, they're the parents, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do that any good Jew would do, that you would bring him to the temple, you'd put him before this, and this guy is righteous and devout, and he holds him up. And so if you're, an, if you're a Jew and you're seeing this, you know that Simeon's righteous and devout. You know this guy knows the Lord. We're going to get to Anna here in a minute. But Simeon holds him up and says, Lord, now you're letting your your servant depart in peace according to your word. And so he's like, you know what? You told me I would see the consolation of Israel first. You told me this was going to happen. Here they are. Now it's happening. And then verse 30, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation 
that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And so he says, my eyes have seen salvation. I finally am seeing the consolation of Israel. Here Jesus is. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what was supposed to be. Now, here's the controversy. There's a lot of Jews that don't believe that he was the consolation of Israel. And we'll get to that in here in a second. But here he is. And here's the part that Kathleen was talking about. It was kind of interesting. I got a text from Brian this week. He says, hey, I'm going to talk about the Gentile salvation. What do you think about that? I'm like, yeah, that fits perfect because verse 32 says this. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So Simeon, no, anybody know Simeon? Even the Bible, even scholars are like, well, he was this guy. We're not exactly sure who this guy is. But this is what the Bible's saying. And what Simeon's message that he got was that he was going to be salvation not just for the Jews, but for who? The Gentiles. Simeon, this guy, had this, the Holy Spirit was upon him, gave him this information, revealed to him what it was. And he says he's going to be salvation, not just for Israel, but he's going to be the glory of Israel. But guess what? Not all Jews like it. Because they don't believe that he's the Messiah. They don't believe that this was it. But if you go back and read through the whole Old Testament, you see time after time, that prophecy after prophecy after prophecy pointing you to exactly this. That this is how it was going to happen. And so this verse 32 I was reading this, I was like, that is incredible. This isn't cool. This is, I, I haven't read it in this context for myself or even remember. I probably have. But and so here he's saying this message of Mary and Joseph are standing there. And he's, whoever is in the temple doesn't say who's all there. But it was a ceremony that was happening. So you know there's people around there. And he's declaring, a righteous and devout guy declaring this in the temple. That not just you Jewish people will be saved, but the Gentiles. That he's here for all people. Now verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. I read that and I was kind of kind of chuckled a little bit because Mary already knew. She knew who he was going to be. I, you go back and read. I won't read it to you. Go back and lo- read Luke 1. When Gabriel showed up to her and told him who he was going to be, maybe not all the details of who he's going to be, but you have, G, you have Mary and Joseph are like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Have you ever been marveled by God, though, because you know something's going to happen? You kind of, you're like, this is God, but you still marvel at it? And they're still, they're marveling at God. They're marveling at, oh my, in amazement that this guy, this baby that we just had, and I was thinking today, it would be kind of cool, I'm looking out at Paul and Linda, they just had, they have baby Jetty, <laughs> and last time, last week I was up here, and Jetty's sitting right here, and he's just such this precious thing, and if you, if you know Linda at all, and you spend any time with Linda, you don't have to say anything about Jetty, she marvels. She marvels. Anybody have been around a baby? You just kind of think they're the greatest thing in the world. I remember a friend of mine in high school. Well, not out of school. I was a little bit out of high school, and they had a baby, and it was the ugliest baby I've ever seen. I'm like, isn't my baby cute? I'm like, yeah. Because you you can't say no to right. But we're amazed by babies. We're amazed, and here they are. That this baby 
Not only is a cool baby that we have this baby, that God told us this baby was going to come, the Holy Spirit was going to impregnate Mary, and Mary's like, well, I guess it did happen. She now has living proof because we know we didn't do that thing before, and now I have this baby. And so she knows this, but yet she hears that he's going to be salvation to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and they marvel, and they're amazed at it. And then verse 34 says... Because that's the good news, right? That's pretty cool. He's going to be that. But what's that mean? Verse 34, it says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is is opposed. And Mary's probably like sitting there, Joseph, they're probably like, Oh, this is so cool. And then like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, say that again? What are you saying? What did you just say about my baby? Basically, what Simeon said to Mary was, he's going to divide Israel. He's going he's to cause problems for Israel. He's going to be the division. And even though Simeon's up here talking about this is who he is, he's salvation, and he's for the Jews and Gentiles, and it seems really cool, but guess what's going to happen? Not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody wants this to be the case because there's a whole bunch of people, even though he said this is for the glory of Israel, there's a bunch of people in Israel like, no, 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 we don't want those guys. We don't want the Gentiles. It's just us, right? It's supposed to be just us. And they're still going on to this day. And so he goes on and he says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And the thought here is that he's telling Mary, he says, you know what? This has, been my, this has been God's plan since the very beginning. And if you have any relationship with God, you know this is the plan. And if there's anything going on, we're going to realize what team you're on. Are you for me or are you against me? And what's going to happen with Jesus is this, and when he comes, the thoughts from many hearts are going to be revealed. Are you with God or are you not? And so you have Simeon delivering this message, which is a cool, I mean, it's like, all right. And Mary and Joseph are probably perplexed, which will, they're going to go leave here in a little bit. But then one other thing happens here. So the Holy Spirit speaks. He, he uses, how does he work? Well, he, he worked through Simeon in this case when, when, when he wants to. God works whenever he wants to. And who, who is he going to use? Well, in this case, he uses Simeon, who is righteous and devout. But then he goes on in verse 36, and he says, There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter, looks like Manuel, but Faniel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years. And so just doing the math, I mean, usually you get married about 14 possibly in that, that age. She, lived, she was married for seven years, so at 21, she probably in, enters into the temple, and it says in verse 37, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Anybody want that job? But it's pretty cool because everybody that knows Anna, I'm sure this prophetess knows that she's righteous, knows that she knows the Lord. Because she's there day and night, fasting and praying. And then 38, she says, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. 
all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. And so not just Simeon's saying it. Now Anna comes along, who everybody, if, you, if you're in the temple at all, you know they're, they're, oh, there's Anna. She's been praying and fasting for, I don't know, 63 years, if the math is right. And we're not exactly sure. But she's, there for, she's been there a long time, fasting and praying. And she's testifying to Jesus in this moment, giving thanks to God for Jesus, who is there with Mary and Joseph, and then proclaiming, whoever is waiting for the redemption of Israel, hey, here he is. And so who does God use? You, you look at this story. God uses all kinds of different people. You, first you got Mary and Joseph. Very, I was like, okay, that's, that's not supposed to happen. And he's going to have his baby Jesus with a girl that's not married. How is, why? Why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. And then you go fast forward and some people that are just ready to be done. It's like, you know what? I don't, I don't have much left in me. But God, the Holy Spirit, kind of told me this is going to happen. I'm not going to die until this happens. And so this is happening. And then you got Anna, this prophetess, has been praying for forever and a day, waiting for this to happen. And here it is. God uses whoever God wants to use and in his own timing. But the one thing I see through these, all these texts as I'm reading just in this story of Jesus is the one common thread through all of them is this, is that he uses people who have a relationship with him, that are righteous and devout, that spend time. Mary, when Mary and I can't remember how exactly it reads, but Mary was found favor in God's eyes, right? And so he wanted to use her. You know, I was, during my sabbatical, I was in Seaside, and I was, um, and I might have told this story a little bit, but not all of you heard it. I was, um, read through the whole book of Acts, and as I was reading through the book of Acts, I was struck by how often the Holy Spirit shows up, and how often the Spirit is working in the book of Acts. And so I started over and I went back to the beginning and I started just jotting down every time the Spirit showed up. And guess what? He shows up a lot. And so I got done and I was, had some prayer time and I was praying and I was like, God, I want you to show up in my life. I want you to talk to me like you're talking to Cornelius and like you're talking to the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip and how you're talking to all these guys and, the, and how you're talking to Peter and how you're talking, how you're leading Paul. I, I, wanna, I wanna be, I want you to talk, to, I, wanna, I want to be led that way. And I was praying this prayer to, and I was just struck in that moment. And, I, and it was just like this audible, I, it was like I have been trying to talk to you. I have been trying to talk to you in a lot of ways. And he pointed out a couple ways that every morning, if there's some mornings I wake up, there's a couple things. It's like, you know what, I want you to get these right. And to some people, it's no big deal. But to me, there were, I know God was showing up every single day or whatever, just saying, hey. And what I realized in myself and what I realized in God is that moment is like, you know what, I want you, I, I want you to do, I'm leading you, but I need you to follow me in everything. I want you to follow me in every aspect of your life. I want every area of your life. Not just this area or that area. I want every area of your life. And I think sometimes what we do with God is we like, I love you, God. You're good. I read my Bible every morning. I pray every single day. I pray with my children. I'm, I mean, I go to, I work at the church. I go to the church, whatever, wherever we're at with God. 
And most of the time, we're like, we're good in this area. And God's like, well, I want more. I want all of you. And I think the thing with us, and I'm not saying this to beat us up by any means. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, I think what happens is we think we're, it's enough. And we, can, we step back from God. My wife and I were reading through James this morning. And one of the, the guy that we were reading through the Bible project. And the guy talked about uh, <laughs> the book as a whole. is kind of a beautiful, kind of this beautiful, gentle punch in the gut. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of funny. That is, it, it is just this idea that, you know what, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. And, I, and, I, and, it's, and it struck me, and I woke I mean, my, and it's like, all right, I hear you. You know, the cool thing is that God wants to use you and wants to use us. And I, I, I could tell you just some cool things as the Holy Spirit is always active and always at work. We just got to pay attention and we got to follow. You know, I, I was prayer walk through this city and a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now or so, I was walking with another guy in town. Uh, we were walking down the street, and this guy was coming from this way, and he says, hey, we were going this way, and he said, um, I said, let's go talk to that guy. And so we went, and we asked if we could pray for him, and he said, no, <laughs> I don't want you to pray for me. And I said, oh, cool. And we talked to him for about 15 minutes and just about himself. And so we, somehow, we, for some reason, we just kept going that way. And as we were going that way, we saw... Uh, this uh, came to this house. I'm like, I recognize that house. I'm like, who is that? And he's like, oh, this is this guy's house. I won't say his name, but he's like, I went, so we like, we went up and we're like, hey, and he knows both of us. And we're just like, hey, we're just out prayer walking and just and told him what we were doing and is there anything we could pray for? And he went into the back of his garage and we thought he was leaving us. I was like, I guess he doesn't want us to pray for him either. But he came forward and he took off his gloves and he said, yeah. Uh, my, my sister just took her life has two kids I'm not doing real well myself and we've been processing through some of this and blah blah and he's got teary eyed and he said I'd, and, and that jacked me up because to be used by God's kind of cool and, and to go you know that I, I didn't plan to go that way I don't even know sometimes why I'm prayer walking because sometimes nothing happens but just pray and, and to see some guy that needed, absolutely needed to be prayed for and needed to hear that God loves him and that needed to hear that God, everything's gonna, that God has a plan. And he knows who God is, but he's just not in a good spot. I think the Holy Spirit constantly wants to do work. Most of the time we're kind of busy. I'm talking to a guy and, and, and I do this video conferencing with this guy in prison and every single week we get together, and I was trying to disciple him. He's a friend of a friend, another guy that was in prison that I was talking to, and ended up, I was like, he said, you know, Mike, I'm going to get stuff together when I get out of here. I'm gonna, you know, when I'm in here, I'm going to get me together, and then when I get out there, I'm going to start doing ministry stuff. And I said, is there nothing you can't do in there. God doesn't want to use you in there. He goes, well, you don't understand how dark it is in here, Mike. He says, it's dark. These guys don't want to hear this stuff. And I said, okay. And I talked about prayer walking with that, some of the stuff I do. And the next week I got together with them and I, on the, online and I said, uh, he says, Mike, he said, I had this guy, the Holy Spirit was telling me I should go prayer walk by each cell. 
and I didn't want to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, God. And he says, but he said he, I did. And then I started walking. He says, I only got halfway this week. But as I went from cell to cell, I started thinking about each person and what they're going through in their lives and what's going on. And he goes, it, it, it changes my perspective. It changes that these guys, I do see that people in here, I don't know how I didn't see it before, people in here need Jesus. And we're here now about a month or two later. And I talked to him this last week and he's meeting with about six guys one by one. And he's fleece God. He says, God, if you really are true, reconcile that relationship right there. Because this guy hasn't liked me since I've been in here. And later he tells me, he says, this guy walked by and he kind of nodded at me. I'm like, that's weird. And then he says, I was in the cell with, he calls him the celly. He says, I was in there. And he says, he walked by and he stopped and he says, hey, can we get together and talk sometime? And it's like, he knows that that's the Holy Spirit and he knows that's God. Most other people that will say that's just a coincidence. And this last week, he says, you know, Mike, some crazy things are happening here. He said, this guy, I can't really say his name over the phone. I think I'll get in trouble. So I don't know who he's talking about. But he says he has a lot of influence. And he says he wants to sit down and study the Bible with me. Holy Spirit is alive and active. We just have to be prepared. And as I read through the story, this story, I see the Holy Spirit working in Simeon. And I'm like, God, that's so cool. And seeing working through the prophetess. And sometimes we think, well, we're too young. He doesn't want to, I, I'm not there yet. You know, there's movements around the world right now. The people that are coming to the Lord because of teenage girls. God wants to use everybody. You might be sitting here, it's like, Mike, I'm just a little bit old. Have you listened to the story? He's not done with you yet. Until you like, take, your, take your last breath, he still wants to use you. He still has a plan. And I think for us, as we think about, think through and process through these things, and you think about, I was listening to Kathleen today, and go, exactly, we, we, we need to share the love of Christ with people. He's not done with any of us yet. That we get to share the love of Christ. It's the, this season's not about a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's about a, a baby that came to be our Savior. And at that particular time that he came, it was so out of the box because the Jews were the chosen people. And God said, no, I have a plan for everybody. And that plan was for all of us. So that we might be saved. Holy Spirit is alive and active. And I say as we look kind of in this year and kind of start to think about what's going on, to, to get ourselves in a place. To say, like, all right, God, I want to be used by you. Because I promise you, if you say that, he'll, st he'll start opening your eyes to things around you. It could be where you work. It could be a neighbor. It could be whoever. But he wants to use you. And so as we kind of wrap this up here today, as we think about, you know, who, how does the Holy Spirit work? You know, he works whenever God wants to work. I, you know, when is whenever, and then who? He wants to use you. He wants to use everybody. Because we know we have that promise of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave you a helper, a paraclete. And so as we look at this season, remember that Jesus didn't just come for certain people. He came for all. And a lot of times when we think, you know, it's just too insurmountable, God could do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. And as I was thinking about the Holy Spirit today, the thing that rings in my head in Romans 8, 11, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Guess where he's at? It's in you. That he, you have the power living within you. It's just a matter of you going, you know what, God, use me. 
So as we wrap this up here today, realize it doesn't matter who you are, no matter what age you are, God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Can you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word that you have given us. And I, the story of Simeon and, and Anna just struck me because so often we spend a lot of time on Moses and Paul and Peter and the big names in the Bible and we get impressed by them. But for me today, Lord, as I read again through this story, I realize what you're looking for us is really just a heart that's ready to be used. And as we, this idea that Jesus is going to come and he's going to divide a nation and he comes to really to find out a litmus test, do you really love me or do you not love me? Are you going to allow me to penetrate every part of your life or are you not going to allow me to? And Father, I pray for our prayer for us today is that, you would, that we would allow you to, into every compartment, that you could have every aspect of our life, that you can, that we would let you into the places we don't want anybody else to know because it's, as we talk about it this season, as we light the last candle on Thursday night, that you are light and you want to be in the darkest places because when we shine light on that area and we shine light, you're able to transform so we thank you, Father, for sending Jesus that helps us to see and experience your love for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.